Well, I am rather busy. Now he's going to move like right along to McGregor. That's his whole life. You know. All right. United States of Tara. I like this show. It's our first non-sci-fi show that we're talking about. That's exciting for us. I mean, we've done non-sci-fi in the past on Truck About Presents, which you can find at truckaboutshow.com if you feel so inclined. Uh, we did like my dinner with Andre and Lost in Translation. But this is going to be a different experience, of course, because this is a very different show than we have done before. Yeah. Except, you know, I mean, it, it's... it's Terror's a very interesting series because it's not quite a comedy. It's not quite a drama. It's not quite a realistic show in a lot of ways. It's what they call a dromedary? Dromedary. I love camels. It's a very odd show. I think we said when we were introducing it last week that uh, this is a show that hasn't been really talked about as much that we've noticed. Um, it's basically been forgotten, which I think is a, is a real shame. Yeah. And, and maybe this is our attempt to kind of bring it back into the conversation a little bit. Well, we've both... Uh, I, I, I mean, given the – this was, what, 2009 to 2011. So there were yeah. a lot of, frankly, higher-profile shows going around at this point. This is the this, this is, is the this is the Breaking Bad Mad Men era. Yeah, so the, there are certainly a lot more prominent shows. Um, and this was on Showtime, I believe. Yeah. So uh, what else is on Showtime at this, this point? Well, I mean, Showtime is one of those channels – I mean, we'll, we'll have to talk about Showtime at, at, at some point, I guess, and, and why not now? Because it is a channel that has a reputation for – having shows that that sort of fall off the rails very quickly um that sort of happened i think with sort of homeland mm. uh, which i never watched um i did happen with masters of sex which i watched the first two seasons of and i heard that it's just gotten really really terrible I, i've never really heard a satisfactory explanation for why that happens but this show united states of terror that does not happen with well i will say i did notice looking at the wikipedia there are a bunch of different producers as the season goes on on this and maybe that's how showtime shows generally are i mean this has the presence of diablo cody through all three seasons and she's certainly writing uh now what's the production history about because i know spielberg's involved in this so essentially i think what happened is that steven spielberg had this vague idea for the show and and approached Diablo Cody saying, hey, do you want to write this show and, and you know, show run it, essentially? And, mm. of course, Diablo Cody said, yes, Steven Spielberg. I would love to do that <laughs> because how do you say no to Steven Spielberg? I don't know exactly how much input Steven yeah, Spielberg did had he just into have the show. A woman dealing with uh, disassociative identity disorder and how this affects her family and her. And she ran with it. Did he have the idea for the characters? We don't know. We have no idea. I mean, it, it could just be at a very vague idea. Let's make a show about a woman that has, yeah. you know, a dissociative identity disorder, uh, which used to be called multiple personality disorder and is no longer called that, apparently. So, and we'll have to talk about that at some point as well, because that is kind of a contentious diagnosis as well. But, and, and the show definitely you is know, about it being a contentious diagnosis. Yeah, I think so. And, and I mean, we'll see that as the show goes on. I mean, Richard and I have both watched the show. It's like we said last week, it's, it's only three seasons. It got canceled, but it does, it does have an ending. They, they, they had enough time, uh, advance warning that the show was being canceled to construct an ending to the show that I think is satisfactory. So it's only 36 episodes. This will be one, this will be the first podcast of 18 podcasts on, on, on this show. And I think it'll be a good, it'll be a good ride. Now, one of the things that I want to talk about first is how the show generally starts treating Tara's dissociative identity Petition, disorder yeah. because I've heard criticisms of the show where it's 
basically treated as a little bit of a joke, which I think is unfair to the show. Well, I think the the show one of the re- and again, it's it's going to be hard to talk about the show to talk about, without talking about where it ends up going. But I think it examines the the condition from a lot of different angles. There are parts when T is taking Kate to the mall where Kate's having a great time and this is fun and this is a weird way of bonding with her mom. This, there are points when it's extremely awkward and painful and causing a lot of suffering for everybody involved. There's, there's times when it's just kind of innocuous. You yeah. Know? There's times when – and I, I guess one of the reasons I really like the show is because it, it takes this – Severe mental illness. Now, whether or not this is how the illness exactly manifests in real life or not, it's, I would say, consistent within itself. Um, And it takes it, you know, in a way, her mental illness is based on a real mental illness, but it stands for mental illness in general. Yes, um, you know this is we you, we can swap this out for a family dealing with someone with severe depression or schizophrenia or some or something which like is even that. mentioned in the second episode. You know, at, yes, at some and point, the difference but... between because a lot of people do use schizophrenia when they mean uh, multiple personalities. But uh, well, this or... and I think yeah, and I, I you know let's kind of maybe ground the conversation talking about the pilot because. I think you're right that that you know you'll see that the 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 alters as they call them kind of come in and come out and sometimes yeah. they are very just innocuous sometimes they're very uh uh, uh sort of dangerous dangerous almost. yeah and they but run this, a gamut and I, in, I will say from the point of view of the show this is a real condition she is at, she's oh, not sure. faking it she's not pretending this is as real as cancer this is something that she has no control over and yeah. which is definitely uh and even very from the very beginning when you have Charmaine coming in and saying, you know, I don't really – you know, she's faking it or whatever. The show doesn't want us to believe that for a second. Yeah, exactly. And I, we'll talk Which, about Charmaine because she is kind of an important character in yeah. these first two episodes even though she doesn't have very much screen time. But – well, the thing that I want to kind of uh, start talking about is is the character of Tara and the Altar specifically because in the pilot – I think that they do – this kind of changes as the show goes on sometimes, but it, it seems to me, especially in the pilot – and the pilot was written by Diablo Cody. I think the first three or four episodes actually were all written mm-hmm. by Diablo Cody that she is transitioning into these into these different personalities uh, uh, kind of, I guess – they're they're manifesting because there's some sort of desire or some sort of problem that is they call they use the word triggering yeah. her to transition into these alternate personalities but you know for example uh, uh she transitions into T which is this 15 year old teenage girl character yeah. that is very wild and you know that uh, very stereotypical i mean one of the things about the alters as well is that they're less real people and more kind of caricatures of what yeah. these people would be like and so she transitions in the in the pilot initially because she finds uh, a prescription for an after uh, morning after pill for her daughter Kate, who I think is supposed to be fifteen or sixteen. Yeah. And so you kind of see, okay, well, she's trying to bond with Kate by being this teenage character, and even more so, she's becoming an exaggerated version of all of Tara's fears about Kate. Yes, yeah. You know, T is the worst example of a teenage girl that Tara can come up with, and you know. Kate is an amazing character, I will say. Well, let's she, let's be careful about saying Tara is coming up with it. Well, I, 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 I guess in terms of be, uh, now, now we will preface this that we're not we're not psychologists, but in a way, I would say I, I think the show seems to believe that, the, or my understanding of this is that it this, it is an alternate personality 
which generates in the, in a similar way to a re- regular personality does. So this personality is generated as a deconstruction of the ultimate horrible teenager. In a yes. Way. Not to I, – I don't mean it in the sense of she's imagining and she's coming away in the same way an actor would come up with a – Yeah. I, I, I guess that's what I want to uh, – and – See, there's a very interesting line in the second episode where um, they're talking about – because this is all – the series is predicated by Tara is going off her medication. Right. And he has a line to the effect of, oh, well, well, if we don't let them out, we can't figure out why you need them. And there is this almost understanding of her illness as a – I guess coping mechanism is the best way of describing it. But there is some reason, some kind of – it's almost Freudian in that construction that, yeah. you know, something bad happened to her and she created these personalities as a way of coping with that. Which, and- which as I understand it, and, you know, I did a little bit of research on, on DID before. I'm yes. not going to keep saying dissociative identity disorder over and over again. We're, we're going to call it DID because seriously, that's a mouthful. Yeah. But, you know, a little bit of Wikipedia, you know, research, so I'm not an expert or anything, but... It does, as I understand it, you know, it is a contentious diagnosis in, in the psychology, you know, community, yeah. and it is real. It's in the it's in the diagnostic and what is it? The diagnostic and DSM, yeah. yeah, the DSM. I don't know what it stands for, but it is still in there. They did the revision. I think it's on its fourth revision, but it is still in existence as a diagnosis. And the the theory is that it is a response to some sort of trauma. Yeah, a, a so, lot of the. Things I've read are, you know, for example, uh, as a response to child sexual abuse or something like that. Right. And so in that context, I think looking at the ways in which the alters are presented in this first episode, mm-hmm. and we see two in this episode. We see T, the teenage character, and we see this um, this male alter, yeah. Buck, who is sort of a stereotypical sort of, you know, Duck Dynasty kind v- of guy. V- I, he's a Vietnam vet to me. Like, I, he's just the... Crazy shell shocked uncle. He, he likes there. to go shoot guns and drink beer and, and, and punch people in the yeah. face and, and call Mar- and call Marshall her son a fag. So, you know, but that it, it's it's interesting. We're talking about what I I don't know. I, I like Buck as a character much more than T. T is like T is annoying. I, I don't. <laughs> yeah. and, and but and, and maybe in a way that I think T is supposed to be yeah, annoying though. You but know, I, I think that there is an element to which one of the interesting yes. things about this is I think you're right that. Um, I think this show gets discounted because a lot of people just think of it as Tony Collette playing a bunch of different And that's what I thought this was the show was going to be. I thought and it was going to be frankly I didn't realize that it was going to be a, a sensitive and serious treatment of it, this. It illness. really is and it's also a look at, you know, it's a real look at a family structure, how they deal with this. They all obviously love each other. Kate is is very sort of um, you know, she Kate is the one that is especially in the first episode and in the second episode, she is definitely affected by this and is sick of yeah. it you know she's got some trauma of her own because of this you know and there is an element of each ca- each character aside from tara and the altars you know you have her husband max you have her, her yeah. sister charmaine um their son marshall and their daughter kate is that they each kind of like and dislike the altars yeah. and so i think kate likes tea i don't get a sense really that marshall or max like tea yeah i don't think anybody really likes bob i don't know it's it's weird because max has a very interesting ambivalence towards buck because i think there is to a degree he almost wants buck to like him 
Yeah. Oh, he yeah. Kind of wants to bond with him, and I think he's intimidated by Buck, and I yes. think that Max thinks Buck is cool to some degree. Yeah. And you know, I, I I think it's funny that at the end, uh, Marshall ends up getting Buck's respect at the end by you know joining in on the fight. But um, yeah, I, I I mean, again, talking about why they need these, why Tara needs these characters. So in a way. She doesn't know how to deal with the fact that her daughter is becoming sexual. So right. she takes this view of the wild teenager, again, partially because Kate is not as wild as T, and partially to literally put herself in that mindset to a degree. Um, Buck is able to, you know, obviously Tara sees her, her Kate's horrible weeaboo boyfriend and, you know, wants to beat the shit out of him. So she has, so she become somebody who is capable of beating the shit out exactly and that and that i think is that's key to the this episode particularly is when tara transitions because there's this also this weird um this weird framing device that i think maybe they drop early on i don't remember about tara giving this video diary sort of thing i think she does it on occasion but yeah it 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 doesn't i don't remember it taking as big a role in the plot Right, and it's obviously just a way for Tara to externalize yeah. her, you know, vocalize her, her thoughts without doing a, a, vo- a monologue or voiceover or something like that. But it is, you know, Buck comes into the picture when Tara goes to Kate's school, at, you know, and, and sees her ridiculous boyfriend, you know, <laughs> essentially trying to beat her up or, or something. Yeah. And, you know, Buck at the end of the episode starts beating you know getting getting into a fight with him and then of course Mar- marshall comes in and starts kicking the guy and it's this very sort of like oh dad, they're all coming together to beat up a kid i love how you know an entire fa- you know two people an adult and a teenager beat up this kid in the parking lot with the entire school watching and you know the next thing they're allowed to go to a bowling alley they haven't entirely been arrested or anything <laughs> i guess part of it is like I don't know who's going to do anything. I mean, they're all a bunch of kids watching. So I guess Max, yeah. Max just got his family out of there as quickly as he yeah. could, you know? But still, I mean, this is this is 2009, so somebody has a cell phone in that crowd. That is true, yeah. Well, and the, the technology stuff is interesting as well, just hmm. because the, the cell phones are kind of funny and yeah, yeah, yeah. MySpace gets a mention. You know, oh, my God, like yes. But yeah, and I think that... Well, let's talk about Buck and let's talk. We haven't really talked about Marshall. So Marshall is a character that is interesting because I kind of, you know, he's the gay character. And, and I think that that's pretty obvious. Yeah. Anybody watching the show. Uh, everybody know that Marshall. I like his characterization because everyone knows he's gay. He's not really out yet, but he kind of is. I, I, well, there's that. And the family is just waiting and they're going to be okay when they're, when he's ready and they know they they know how to deal with having a gay son right. like very well like they know that when he's ready to talk they're not gonna and I mean, I love that scene where, you know, Tara looks and she sees he has these zebra print uh, pillows and she's like, is there anything you want to tell me? Yeah. Like, you know, and because, you know, she knows at some point he's going to come out and it's okay, you know, and they almost don't, they know that he's suffering a little having the secret and, you know, but they know not to rush it. But I also think that there's an element to which, that I think is is, is a through line in, in the entire series to a certain degree, but is certainly present in, in the pilot, is that... To to a certain degree, I don't think that I mean Max is a different animal entirely, and we can talk about Max yes. later. But Kate and Marshall are young. I mean, you know, Tara says in the second episode, I think that she got pregnant with Kate when she was nineteen. Yeah. So I think that she's probably supposed to be sixteen, and Marshall says he's fourteen in the second episode. Yeah, they're about that age. I mean, Kate, frankly, isn't that much younger than Tara was, and she does specifically say, you know, that's when she says, you know, I it was. 
or, or Alice actually says that in the second one. Your mother yeah. was 19 and it was a hardship. I mean, Tyra, note, you know, even though she, you know, she wouldn't want it any other way. Kate is a wonderful child. She would, you know, it was difficult and she wishes it wouldn't have been that difficult. And she doesn't want Kate to have it that difficult. Yes. And there's also, I'm kind of getting away from what I wanted to talk about, but there's also an element to which I think Max, especially in the first episode, when Charmaine is introduced and mm-hmm. she comes into the house and she's just like, oh, this is happening again. Yeah. You know, she's the kind of stereotypical sister in a way because she's not very supportive and she's very dismissive of her sister. But, you know, she does love her. But then yeah. Max and Charmaine go into the garage and they're talking and, you know, she says, look, I grew up with this. And Max says, yeah, but I've been married to it for yeah. 16 years or however long it's been. Yeah, you just and- take it to Tupperware parties or something. But there's an there's an element to that in the second episode where you realize that Kate, you know, Kate was born. Max and Tara got pregnant when Tara was 19. I don't know that Max made an actual decision Mm. to stay with Tara. I think that they decided to get married because she was pregnant. And to his credit, you know, and you'll see later on in the series, especially that Max is a good guy. Yeah. That Max loves Tara. He's a good husband. No He's matter what man. they, they were father. at 19, they have grown to be as devoted to each other as people can be. But, but one of the things, no, go ahead. Well, one of the other things is that the Patton Oswald character calls Max codependent. And that's going to be, mm-hmm. that's going to be Max's, a word that will get associated with Max a lot. Yeah. Because, Part of the implication is that he is with Tara and staying with her and he doesn't seem to mind all of – is is he dealing with all of these issues because he loves her and he understands the suffering or is he dealing with all of these issues because he can't handle being alone at all? And well, that's – yeah. Well, that's the thing too I think is that to a certain degree you really do need to talk about the family as its own separate character. Yes. Because I think that you know obviously Marshall and Kate – are getting to an age now where they're going to be having their own problems. They're going to want to rebel. I mean, not to say the children don't have problems too. No. Of course they do. And they're real people and we should respect that. But you know, they are getting to an age where they're, they're feeling like they can vocalize that they can actually act out. And I think especially with, with Kate and Marshall, Kate to, to a lesser degree, I think she is at an age where she is starting to rebel. She's starting to want to become her own person and she is starting to want to stop being defined by yeah. Tara's illness and how it affects the entire family. Marshall, I think, to a lesser degree, is also getting to that point. But him not wanting to come out and him kind of being this character that in a certain sense is holding the family together. I mean, you know, let's not forget it. in the pilot he's making muffins yes. and he's doing all of these things. He, you know, he has movie nights with the family and things like that. He's the one who, when... Tara as T is throwing a tantrum. He blasts music so that way the neighbors won't know. Yeah. If, if anyone's acting like the typical mother character, it's him. And he, yeah. So he, Marshall, in effect, is sort of, you know, taking care of the family. And I think that to another, you know, to, to, to talk about Max for a minute, I think that Max is also feels a responsibility. I mean, he's probably sick of this, but he's her husband and he's going to stay there. But I think to a certain degree, he also wants to stay to you know, to protect his children. I mean, yeah. I don't think that, I mean, what's going to happen if Max decided, I mean, let's just, you know, spin this out. Like if Max decided to divorce Tara, yeah. I mean, she's not going to keep the children. So, you know, it's kind of like that kind of thing. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a very confusing environment for them all. I mean, there is a degree to, and again, the, the kids are, you know, 14, 15, 16, however, well, they are like, 
to a degree, maybe in five years when they're in college, he's going to have a different, you know, he would have a different view of things. Right. You know, they're a little too young for, you know, they, they are, they're, they're old enough that, for example, at the end of episode two, Kate, you know, decides to get a job because, you know, that's finally her. I need to start figuring out yeah. how to get out of this moment. Um, it's interesting because I think that, you know, as you said, Kate's starting to have her issues of her own. And while the series definitely knows that this is her first douchebag boyfriend and it's going to be in the long run, not a... Uh, and I'm glad you're bringing him up because I wanted to talk well, about yeah. him. Because he is horrible. Oh, like, I love how awful he is. Like, that. that is a... And he's awful in very specific ways that don't feel like anything you've seen before. But in a way, you've also known exactly that guy. I know. Like I, I love him, and the I, the poor kid who plays him is wonderful as playing that guy. But yeah, what does what does Tara say something about like a? a oh, a, nobody's. I did not raise you to be pushed around by kids with pig boys with pigtails, and he says they're samurai knots. Yeah, That's, yeah. Um, and he's like talking to her in Japanese. Oh my God. He was wonderful. But there's that, there's that one line that always creeps me out when Kate gets into his car and he says, never ignore a text. Yeah. It's how I show my love. Yeah. Like that is just, okay. But, but the thing with, I think Kate is a, you know, certainly Tara and Buck, you know, assault, (laughs) assault this kid in both ways. But I don't think Kate was that much, that into him anymore. Like, she watching her reactions during that scene, like she's creeped out and annoyed, and at the end, you sure. know, she's smiling and stuff. But like, you know, that fight the next day is another fight. Like she already did realize that her family problems trump this guy. Like she already did ignore his text. I don't think that she's going to be like. I think in this case, if Tara had left to go on her own, Kate would have finally just you know fuck this guy. I'm not with. I I I don't know what I was thinking. You know, and just you know, broken up with him. Well, already, I mean, I don't know, maybe we should move on to, to the second episode because in a way this, you know, the two episodes are a, they're kind of a two part pilot in a certain sense. But yeah, I think that, I mean, this is a good opportunity to transition over to, to the second episode aftermath because it is, and you know, you don't see her boyfriend in the second episode. Yeah. You don't see T, you don't see Buck. You see this new altered Alice, who was actually mentioned by name in the yes. pilot, but we we didn't see her again. Part of the reason we consider this a two episode pilot is because the you know we have now the introduction of Alice, and I think the Patton Oswald character is introduced in yes. the second episode. So that's our cast. We you know it takes the two episodes to round it out. Yeah, I think so. And the I think the the interesting thing about uh, uh, the second episode is. You know, we talked a little bit before about how sort of the whole family is sort of everyone is having a role to to keep this family together when Tara is off doing her altar thing. And in this episode, I think you see that a lot even more explicitly because, you know, Tara is complaining about not liking to clean up after them. (laughs) But then Marshall is kind of I don't know. He's got his own problems in this episode, but he's also it's I don't know. It's an interesting episode because. They're both all trying to hold the family together, and also I think this ep- this is the, the second part of the pilot, if you want to call it that, yeah. that is showing what effect yeah. Tara's condition is having on the children, especially. Yeah, it's a degree, and and I mean, there's a degree to which they never know who's it, it is. I mean, there's that one line that I think it's in the first from you know, mom's home, but I'm not sure if she's mom, I right? Mean, you know, they and. You know, oh, don't go. You know, she's not allowed to go to the parent-teacher conference, or they don't tell her about it because they don't know what they're going to get. There is a degree of even though they love Tara, you know, she's her, their mother. Uh, 
they can't really trust her as well as they would like to. And so, you know, things have, you know, there's a degree in which they're all living around her. Well, let me ask you a question. Do you, I mean, do you get a sense that they trust the alters in different ways? Well, I mean, I don't think they're going to, that they feel that the alters will hurt any of them. They don't think that their mother or the alters are dangerous in that kind of sense. And of course the series is going to test that perception in very different ways. But um, I think, you know, to a degree, I think the the kids are getting to their point where they're really realizing what the, you know, they're being more cognizant of the world outside of their house. Yeah. You know, just because they're finally getting to, you know, it may have been fun when, uh, you know, Kate was younger, you know, when Kate was 12 and T came out and, you know, suddenly it was like hanging out with her older sister. Right. That's very different from, you know, then suddenly she's 15 and with her actual friends and her friends' moms and, you know, her classmates and the guys she like, you know. Which also makes me wonder if T has aged. That's, that was my other question. Yeah. Has like T- when, when Kate was 11, was T 12? Yeah. I mean like, or I guess she was 10 at that point. Is I mean like. she Yeah. Is T always Kate's age or not? I don't think it, to a degree I'm not necessarily sure it matters, but you know. I think it matters to some degree because I think it indicates A, that the, the, the alters do grow yeah, and change have their own lives. And, and have their own lives. And also that, I mean, and they kind of say that because in the pilot and in this episode, uh, uh, they do make kind of uh, uh, statements about the, ta- the the alters not coming out for a while, yeah. and you know, and also like upset oh, about it. And what was I doing the last time I was out and things like that? And he was a vegetarian now, like those kind of changes they mention. And I think it also does indicate that you know, not that Tara necessarily has control over the alters, but that the the you know she is cognizant, and and they kind of manifest to help or hinder different things that are going on in their lives. I think if T is aging with Kate, that is kind of an indication that T is really the alter that comes out when Tara wants to bond with her daughter and she's having trouble bonding with her daughter as herself. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Or was T always a teenager and kind of a manifestation of some of Tara's other, Tara's other instincts? Right. We don't, yeah, we don't know. Uh, yeah, we don't we don't know yet. I don't know if we find out. Well, maybe, maybe we, will. we will. But I think that well, we didn't talk about uh, um let's well, let's talk about Marshall because I think that in different ways in the in aftermath, you know, Kate is obviously pushing against the structures of her family. They go out to dinner with Alice and she's just, you know, upset. She's on her phone. There's that great scene in the in the women's bathroom where Alice tries to to yeah. wash her mouth out with soap and that just makes Kate go crazy and she asks yeah. for a job. But I mean, to be fair, you know, again, the show is starting to edge up on, you know, is this a, are, are the children safe to a degree? And, yeah, yeah. You know, all she does was is wash Kate's mouth out with soap, but she's still, the, that's not something Kate's okay with. And that still is a violation. Yeah. You know, it, that is, and it's that is, treated as a violation. It, it is, yeah. I mean, I don't think that anyone thinks it's okay. I mean, it's I don't even Kate. really think that Alice thinks it's okay, but, well, Kate certainly It's treated it's okay. as the Alice Alice persona overacting, and, you know, later when, Ma- when Max is talking to her, I mean, you know, she seems to be regretful. She just got so angry and upset at that moment. Fine, but and of know. course, it's really interesting that that the Alice alter is is very apologetic and and sort of you know tries to make up for it by ironing Max's jeans <laughs> and then sort of trying to initiate sex with Max and he's not having any of it. Well, sex with the alters is a thing. We'll, that we'll talk. We'll about have to that. talk about. 
but I but I think that you know in in you know Kate is obviously pushing up against against this, and she's trying to say, look, I'm my own person. I don't want to deal with this anymore. Yeah. I want to have my own life, and and fuck you. Whereas Marshall is a little younger. Marshall also, frankly, is a different character. You know, he's very dapper. He wears pajamas. He listens to jazz. He likes old movies. You know, he's he kind makes of, dioramas. He, we 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 can't tell if it's for school or for fun, but it's for fun. What he's making is gorgeous. It, it's I mean. great. It's fantastic. But I love Marshall's probably one of my favorite characters on the show, but he's having his own issues, but he's not telling anybody about them. You know, he's trying to hide it because he realizes that he, there's a lot of other stuff going on. He doesn't want to add to anyone's burden, which is really sad. You know, he's got this teacher who's basically picking on him and we'll talk about that scene at the the parent teacher conference. But, and then of course, you know, he's, he's wetting the bed and he's trying to hide that and he's not doing a very good job of it, but there's these things going on that he is trying to hide from everybody. And it's, 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 it's kind of sad, I think in a way yeah, because he, he's kind of trying to, I guess, make everyone else not have to worry about him. I mean, there's a degree to which if Marshall comes out and is honest to everybody, it'll be okay and everybody will relax around him and he'll be able to relax. And But, you know, he's not able to do that. And in fact, in, in, to a degree, I think that's kind of part of Buck's use in a way. Because, yeah. I mean, you know, yes, Buck is calling him a faggot and making fun of his muffins and all of that, but... At the same time, Buck is the only person who is willing to who, who who actually says what everybody's thinking that Marshall is gay. You know. Well, and I thought I wonder about that because I wonder if it was kind of a changed premise in the show that Marshall was in the closet because there's a line in the in the pilot that sounded to me like everyone was just like, "Yeah, Marshall's gay." But I don't remember what it is. So it's kind of neither here nor there. I think that it's kind of an interesting question yeah. if, if if Marshall. I don't know. It's like I think, it, but again, it kind of. I mean, it's also hard for us to talk about because it's a very different experience than what we went through. Yes, growing up gay in the nineties. Like, I don't know that a lot of kids come out anymore. At least ones that grow up in supportive households yes. in in you know coastal cities. You know, they just kind of are who they are. Yeah, and again, particularly you know one of the things and I think that, that Marshall is that kind of character, even though it's supposed to take place, I think, in Kansas. Yeah, and one of the things about Tara and Max is that. Partially due to the, their age, they are again in their what late thirties at this point. They, um, no, they would. If they're be nineteen, mid thirties. Yeah, so they're mid thirties. They're very young, and they're our age essentially. Yeah, um, which is frightening to think about. But oh my god, yeah, um, we don't really know what we haven't really known what exactly their college experience was, but you know, there's an implication that they weren't exactly straight laced, you know, when they were younger either. And so, you know, and frankly, Tara's illness has exposed them to a lot. Where did they go to college? Uh, They, we do find out that they did. Yes. Um, At least Tara did. I don't know about Max, but, um, you know, and due to Tara's, you know, illness, they, 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 they've, these two have seen a lot of the world and they're okay with it. They, they would have no problems with, whatever Marshall who becomes or whoever he loves, you know, sure. just based on, you know, because they are very open people towards their children. And I think that's, yeah, you know, especially in the third season when he gets that 70 year old boyfriend, it's cute. <laughs> that doesn't happen. Or well, does it? it? Or does it? Yeah, maybe it does. I don't know. Well, let's talk about the, the parent teacher scene then, because I think that that's a really, you know, if you, if you subscribe to the theory that sometimes the altars come out because Tara is having an issue that she can't deal with and the altar that can fix the problem comes out. 
again and that's the initial is that a simplistic version of did or a simplistic interpretation of did is that actually how it is i think that we need to lay that question to rest it's not really relevant to the show i think the show thinks that there are times when you know yes the altar is the is the exact you know person who needs to be in that situation and to a degree i think the show starts at that point to give us that foundation before Breaking it before, bre- yeah, it, it kind of establishes the rules before it breaks them. Yeah, so we're only on episode two. So yes, an altar is going to come out in the perfect situation for them. So essentially, what happens is Charmaine and Tara at the mall. Charmaine is being kind of passive aggressive to Tara as she does throughout the show. Yeah. I think, <laughs> uh, you know, she says something about schizophrenia. Tara takes kind of like she's just kind of tired. She's not offended. She's like, I'm not schizophrenic. You know, I, I hear, I don't hear voices. Yeah. And then the two women come over and they sort of like are being passive aggressive to Tara as well, talking about cakes and things. Well, they're a little too con- – they're, they're very condescending. Like, oh, look – like I think the first line is, look at you up and about. Like – I think – They mean well, but they're doing horribly. Right. I think that they are a little bit judgy, but they're also a little bit sincere. Mm-hmm. You know, I, and that's one of the things that I like about the show is that none of the characters are just like one no. Well, yeah, I mean, I think the two of you know, Tara's upset that they think about her as poor Tara, who is yeah. so ill, and you know, to a degree, there, you know, some genuine concern on that part. I mean, you know, anybody that you kind of know who is ill to a degree, you know, you want to make sure they get better, but they're only viewing her as that, you know, and and, and right. Well, and I think that so so what happens is she gets kind of triggered by that and she goes to the Alice personality, which is this sort of like stereotypical 50s housewife. Right. And, to, you know, she does two things. She makes this elaborate cake. Elaborate and, and a little racist. It's, 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 it's edging on it. Yes. <laughs> and I love their reaction to it. But yes. <laughs> and then she essentially dresses down Marshall's teacher. Yes. And, you know, really creepily insightful way like she it's very clear that what she says is exact she has some very strong psychological insight yeah well let's talk about what she says to him so so essentially what happens is marshall says something about um says something sexual in in class about an interpretation of something in a novel and the teacher gets he's talking about ethan from and yes the uh walking stick is a phallic symbol and it's the kind you you would know i mean it's the kind of thing that you. i I, I say that because he studied english not because (laughs) he likes phalluses but I do. Uh, no, but I mean, like, when I read Ethan Frome in college, we talked about the walking stick as a phallic symbol. You know, right. You, you talk about phallic symbols a lot in college. This is the kind of comment that wouldn't have someone bat an eye. Um, but and, in Kansas in a public high school. Yeah. And and to a very real degree, it, it is as much – I mean, Marshall says it to the degree of anybody can, you know, decide – you know, that's that's obvious. Like, he, he does say it in a very condescending way because Marshall, I think – does does think he's the smartest person in the class. Maybe he is. Yeah. Well, and he's also got his his adorable little 50s friend. Oh yeah. Who just loves him and, yeah. and doesn't realize that Marshall oh. is gay, but that's that's sad too for various reasons. But uh yeah, I think that what Alice does in that scene is it's scary. Yeah. I mean, it's you know, Alice I think is actually the scariest of the alters in oh. a way. Well, because she also has some kind of agenda too, you know. Uh, in, in a way T, that I don't think T or Buck have. T agendas. just wants to party and have fun and do whatever it is, the, you know, whatever it is a rebellious fifteen-year-old is going to do. Buck 
Chuck, in a way, too, also wants to. He likes shooting his guns and bowling and looking at porn and, you know, smoking cigarettes. I mean, That's his life. You you get the sense from Alice, at least subtextually, that, that and maybe even textually, I mean, I think she says that you need me full time or something. Yeah. Like, I think Alice wants to be Alice full time and be the wife and be the mother. Yeah. And to a degree, there is a because she thinks that nobody else can handle it and not for nothing out of you know Tara's dealing with this mental instability and Buck and Teague and Alice given given the four of them Alice has a case for saying she's the only one who can make sure everybody gets fed and clothed yeah yeah I, well i think that's true but but i think that you know max is not doing a great job in that in that scene in that in the conference He's yeah like, okay whatever well. man. and then of course you know alice dresses him down in a very very insightful and creepy way and i think that it is it's one of those it's one of those things that reads as insightful reads as creepy but also i think i don't know if you're supposed to feel sorry for the teacher i think a little bit too you I mean you realize he has become a i mean there is a subtext to that conversation that perhaps the teacher is himself gay and she you know or but whatever it's you know certainly we realize that he's become a bully because he is an outcast and you know maybe he's picking on an aspect of himself yeah and that kind of a thing so you think i mean i think this is a show that largely believes that people will do cruel things to each other but maybe aren't always monsters but we're we're that's a theme that the show is going to deal with yeah it will deal with it especially yeah well, maybe the last thing to to talk about before we wrap this episode up is kind of Max's relationship with the altars because we have danced around it, but I think especially in uh, the pilot and in Aftermath. In pilot, T comes on to him and they make yeah. out a little bit. And in, in, in Aftermath, Alice is trying to be apologetic in a weird fashion after assaulting Kate, essentially. And trying to, you know, iron his jeans. And he's like, don't iron my jeans. And then trying to come on to him. And and Max is not having any of it. Yeah. And there's this weird thing where, you know, this must be very, I mean, it must be very confusing for Max. Well, yeah. And the show very much deals with the fact that this is the body and the face of the woman he loves. But, you know, it questions the, is having sex sex with T statutory rape? And they haven't come up with an answer to that question Right. I don't think it is, but... But you get the sense that, you know, Max and Tara don't want to deal with that question because it is a very difficult question. It's interesting that you would go there because I kind of had a different interpretation of that. I think it's... I think Tara essentially thinks that Max would be cheating if he slept with one of the altars. I think there is a degree of that too, but I mean, Max also... you know, But there's also a difference between cheating with Alice and cheating with T. I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, I think that. I mean, realistically, mm. T does not exist. No, and, and but but T is according not to t- the show, T does exist. Yeah, but T, and t, t does is not have a the teenager. mind. T is in well, the body. T is physically not a teenager, but mentally, I think she is. Yeah, maybe. I mean, and I just I I don't I don't think that's the overriding concern for why Max doesn't want to sleep with T and why why no, Tara doesn't want him to sleep with T and why you know yes, but it does it does. It does make it a little it, – it, it edges on some uncomfortable territory, which is deliberate on the show's part, sure, I would say. Sure, yeah. Um, and I mean the way they resolved that situation is by Tara dressing up like T, you know, and, you know, which is an interesting way of doing that. But 
you know, I think it's interesting that he is turned on by T, but totally terrified of Alice and not uh, not attracted to her. No, he's not attracted to Alice at all. He's very angry with her, actually. And I think that, you know, to a certain degree, you know, this is a thing that happens, I think, in families that that have a person who has some sort of mental disorder or, or illness or, you know, uh, addiction, or, addiction something. or something like that, where, you know, you feel resentful and, and you yeah. can't take, you know, you feel like you can't t- do anything wrong or you can't take care of yourself because you always have to take care of this person. And I think that Max essentially is, you know, he, he would be sick of it. He's been dealing with it for, you know, however long he's yeah. been dealing with it. And, and so especially in a, in a sense where, you know, I don't think he really likes Alice and she sticks around for a while. Let's not forget. I mean, she, you know, T doesn't stick around for very long. I think Buck sticks around for, it looks like maybe a few hours. And, T, you know, Alice seems to be around for like a day or so. And there's also the fact that, you know, I mean, e- even if the time they're spending as Tara, T is, you know, off at the mall and shopping and, you know, doing whatever you right. know, she wants to do. Buck is at the bowling alley and he's, but Alice is meddling in everything, you know, in terms of... The effect that they have. I mean, they have to convince Buck into going to the ballet, which you know, I love how he gives, the, how he starts the standing ovation. But um, yeah, you know, the, Alice is the meddling one, and there is almost the degree of does the Alice alter have the right to? Yeah, that that's also the question. I think that 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 is at the heart of the series. Even Alice seems to think that this is her family, but I, well, I don't think, think that- Max Max Marshall and Kate don't seem to think of Alice as their mother in no. the same way that they think of Tara no. as. And, you know, especially the way saying, you know, leave the discipline to me. You know, I'm going to discipline my kid. Like, he, Max doesn't think that they're Alice's kids. Yeah, Alice is almost like the Anne or something. And the other thing, too, of course, and maybe this will be the last point before we wrap this one up, is that I think that to a large degree, Tara resents having to deal with the altar's presence in her life. You know, they, they do feel like an imposition. They do feel unwanted. I mean, to a very real degree, because we are... The alters seem to know what's going on with Tara, but Tara doesn't usually know what happens when she's in an alter state. Yeah. Um. So they're very literally robbing her of time with her family, time at her job, time, you know, doing whatever she wants to do. Right. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well... I think I'm excited to to go on this journey. We should be. And I hope everybody out there is excited as well. It's a good show, so watch along. Well, if you have any comments on either of the episodes of United States of Terror that we just discussed, please leave a comment on the post for this episode of the podcast at tuninginshow.com. Check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash truckaboutshow, if you would like to give us a little bit of monetary support for our podcasting endeavors. And if you give us $5 a month or more, you can listen to a special episode that is released the first Tuesday of every month. A new one was just released two days ago, so check it out. We're on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tuning In Show. And as always, please leave us a positive iTunes review for Tuning In Show. It is the best way for new people to find the podcast. And check out our other podcast track about where we're talking about the DS9 episodes, Honor Among Thieves and Change of Heart. Next week, we'll be talking about the third and fourth episodes of United States of Terror, which are called Work and Inspiration. So join us then. The Mac. Why do you...